Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. On Commons People This Week. Strong and stable, strong and stable, strong and stable, strong. Uh, and stable government, a strong and stable... Do you ever get the feeling Theresa May is trying to tell you something? You know, and I apologise to mugwumps everywhere for inadvertently comparing them to Jeremy Corbyn. Boris Johnson is let out of Wonderland. We need a Labour government. We need a Labour government. We need a Labour government which would be led by Jeremy Corbyn. And we found a Labour MP who actually does want Jeremy Corbyn to be in Downing Street. All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, HuffPost UK's politics podcast. I'm Owen Bennett and I'm joined by Ned Simons, Paul War, and it is my pleasure to introduce the newest member of the HuffPost politics team, Kate Forrester. Thank you. Hello, Kate. Are you Hello. excited to be here? I'm so excited. Yeah. Try to <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe her, Ned? Yeah. I think your, your problem is you're not calling her Katie, which is her real name. I cannot believe I you've done this. Her. Katie is on her birth certificate. Everyone calls her Kate. Kate. Okay. <gasps> well, there we are. That's, that's ruined the quiz. Oh, Ten things I didn't know about <laughs> Kate Forrester. Anyway, let's just crack on, shall we? Um, but, but yeah, but you're excited to be here, right? Because obviously, yeah. you listen to the podcast loads. You're like, I can't believe I'm actually here on Commons People. Yeah, it's like an actual dream. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like she was the, host, the listener. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One week into the election campaign, and the various messages are already taking shape. Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn used their last PMQ's appearance before the June 8th vote to start putting forward the themes that we will be hearing a lot of over the next few weeks. Here's Theresa May. Every vote for him is a vote for a chaotic Brexit. And every vote for him is a vote for a coalition of chaos. A weak leader propped up by the Liberal Democrats and the Scottish Nationalists. And here's Jeremy Corbyn's response. Strong leadership is about standing up for the many, not the few. But when it comes to the Prime Minister and the Conservatives, they only look after the richest, not the rest. The most illuminating moment of PMQs came once again from the SNP's Westminster leader, Angus Robertson. Will the Prime Minister give a clear and unambiguous commitment to maintaining the triple lock on the state pension? Prime Minister! I've been very clear that under this Conservative government, we see we have seen uh, pensioners benefit uh, as a result of what we've done to the basic state pension. (laughs) To the tune of £1,250 a year. And I am clear that under a Conservative government, pension and incomes would continue to increase. So, Theresa May not quite committing on the famous triple lock on pensions there. That's something she's not going to want to talk about during the campaign. But what are we going to hear 
a lot of from the Tories in this campaign, Ned, based on what we've heard already. Well, the word strong, I think, from that PMQ sessions. I counted the number of times she said it. I think it's 31. Someone else said it was 32, and someone said it was 38. But that's, Typical journalist but, yeah, yeah. unable to count. And then, yeah. and then everyone gave up trying to count yeah. it. But you know, if that, straight away, she went straight to the campaign messaging, strong leadership, strength of her, the weakness of Corbyn, very obvious campaign tactic, and that's what we're going to get for the next, whatever it is, six weeks, isn't but it? But isn't this similar to David Cameron's campaign in 2015, which it's, we know won, which was, you know, don't let the chaos in, and we've had nothing but chaos for the past two years. It's exactly the same campaign. If you look at Theresa May's campaign stops, the two or three she's done, it's the same format, her on a stage, activists behind her, reading without any notes, the same messaging, it's, they've just taken it out of the box and they're doing it again, just with a leader that's not quite as good at doing it as Cameron yeah, was. Yeah, you say that again. And it's made for TV, don't forget. This is all about TV. It's all about those tiny clips on the six o'clock news. If, as everyone says, most of the public spend like two or maximum three minutes per week thinking about politics, that's what they're looking for in terms of the PR of this. You know, How many people are going to see that little image of her saying the same thing? They might see, she might say it ten times before someone hears it the first time. Um, and that's what it's all about. I was talking to someone who worked uh, very closely in Downing Street on previous campaigns last night, and he said that whenever he hears Theresa May saying, vote for me to make your Prime Minister stronger, to make your hand stronger, he thinks Linton Crosby is ringing a little bell somewhere. He's very happy because that is it's a very powerful message, isn't it? It's, Give me your vote to make me stronger is a very powerful way of sort of empowering the voters. Mm, it's also quite super villain-esque. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it's also much easier for her to sort of carry that message now than it was for Cameron in 2015 because we're obviously in a position where, you know, the opposition is very easily painted as chaotic. So, and it's it's much easier for her to say, you know, I'm the strong one, vote for him and there's chaos, vote for me and everything's fine. We're in this weird situation, aren't we, where Labour don't want to talk about their leader and the Tories want to talk about Labour's leader. So it's sort of it's like counterintuitive, right? So you've got Labour MPs going, it's not a vote for Corbyn if you vote for yeah. me. And I love to see it. Ben Bradshaw, I think, in his local paper uh, wrote in, in Exeter, you know, it's, votes, it's all about me. Vote for your local MP to be in opposition to the Tories. It's not about changing the leader. And, you know, so many of them are doing the same thing. I saw two former shadow cabinet ministers this morning in the House of Commons and they both said to me, I'm on the ballot. I'm on the ballot. That's all I'm saying. I'm on the ballot. So we know it wasn't Michael Duggar because he's standing down, of course. It um, wasn't Duggar. We know how the uh, how the Tories are going to try and paint Jeremy Corbyn because Boris Johnson, in his own unique style, has uh, sort of issued the opening salvos by calling him, uh, what's the word again? Mugwump? Is, yeah. is that the word? It's, this is him trying to defend it uh, on Good Morning Britain this morning. The point I'm making is that I think the risk with Jeremy Corbyn is that people don't see what a threat he really is. Is is this a good technique, using words I think like Roald Dahl used? It, it, everyone's sort of having a go at Boris this morning for his interview style, but it, whatever he was trying to do, it did work. Everyone spent all morning talking about Jeremy Corbyn and Mugwump. So whatever that word means, the message is, it's about Jeremy Corbyn and how rubbish he is. And so even if it's taken the mick out of Boris for being a bit himself, what, a bit bumbly, extremely bumbly and not serious, that's not the point. We're talking about Corbyn again. That's the point of why he said it. And that's why I think Mugwump is such a brilliant word for this, because he could have used any made-up word whatsoever and we'd all be talking about it. That's why we talked about Linton Crosby. It's a classic Linton Crosby technique, the dead cat technique, where you literally bring a dead cat in the room, bang it on the table, and just everyone looks at it, and they're distracted from everything else, like policy. I mean, it's exactly, sorry, it's exactly the same as Michael Fallon in the last election, the famous thing where he had a go at Ed Miliband for stabbing his brother in the back. It's just like that, only a little bit more kind of fluffy and Boris and less Michael Fallon being 
you know, harsher. It's very Boris. I mean, here's a quote from Boris about, you know, Linton Crosby helped him win the mayoralty twice. Don't, don't forget. And here's a great quote from Boris. He said, the key point, says my Australian friend, is everyone will shout, geez, mate, there's a dead cat on the table. In other words, they'll be talking about the dead cat, the thing you want them to talk about, and they will not be talking about the issue which is causing you so much grief. So the point is, you know, we're not talking about, a lot of people haven't been talking about policy this morning. Although, to be honest, it hasn't quite worked for Boris because there's been questions about Syria, questions about North Korea, 350 million on the NHS, he wriggled on that. And also on immigration targets, he, he wasn't quite on board with what the government and Theresa May have been saying on that. So it hasn't fully worked, but it's worked in the sense that the BBC led on it this morning. It was the top item. I couldn't quite believe it. The word mugwump was the top item on BBC Radio. But Kate, I mean, OK, so let's, let's not play the game. Let's ignore the mugwump. What would we have been talking about today then? What, what was this trying to distract us from? What, what did the Tories do that, that we should be talking about? Well, I guess not sort of directly what the Tories have done that we should be talking about. But this morning, you know, Boris, for example, he is our, you know, we're in a, an extremely uncertain international sort of position. Boris is our outward facing person to the world. And do we think that, you know, obviously by doing this, do we agree with some of the shouts that he's had an easy ride off the back of this this morning, like with his media round? He's not necessarily, I know, Paul, you said he has been asked some difficult questions, but has he been asked the questions that he would otherwise have been asked? Would he have got quite as much of a hammering in his first kind of general election appearance? Has he had quite as much of a hammering as he otherwise would have? things like Syria failing exactly. to get and uh, North a, Korea, etc. Yeah. And then, of course, it's, it will come on to this later, but, later, but you know, Labour's big announced policy announcement the Tories knew today was going to be housing. And so I suspect, you know, they, they're very, very happy people aren't talking about housing this morning. We are. We're going to we will be. Housing. Don't forget also, it's going to be much worse. This, this phrase, mugwump, came in the Sun newspaper, OK? And uh, today, Tom Newton Dunn, the political editor of the Sun, has revealed what was kept out of the Sun article. And what was kept out of there was a line from Boris that Jeremy Corbyn was an old guy firing blanks. Now, the imp- and that was cut by the Tory central office because even they thought accusing the leader of the opposition of being an elderly, impotent man, literally impotent, is going a bit far. Of course, Boris has his own priapic uh, tendencies that maybe they wanted to... You know what tendencies? Priapic, and you'd like what that word. What does that mean? It's phallic, phallic. You know? Right, OK. So, so they might <laughs> want to make sure that, was, that really wasn't going too far, but that just goes to show, you know, that's what this was all about. It was a direct personal attack on... It was about Jeremy Corbyn able to get an erection. It would have been winning an erection. How about that? Oh, wow! Well, <laughs> let's just let that sink in, shall we? A minute. This is uh, why people come. To- let's lead. That leads us on nicely to our new election section. Election <laughs> section. Like it. Okay. Don't you know get too we excited. Had, you know we had the Farron or Farage thing before. Yeah. Is that gone? That's gone. Oh, right. <laughs> Forget okay. that. that. We've now got the election section. Election <laughs> section, which is about who's having a better week in the election campaign. Okay. Is it Theresa May or is it Jeremy Corbyn? I don't care what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, right. okay. I like that. If it's Theresa May, definitely maybe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. If it's Corbyn, what's the story of Corbyn glory? Hey. <laughs> You're so You're pleased with that. 20 now. years since Britpop, people. Yeah, that's good. There you go. So let's um let's do it now. Who's had the best who's had the best week? Ned, is it definitely maybe or is it Corbyn Glory? Definitely maybe. Okay, right. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I didn't have to expand on it. No, no, I'm no, very no. definite about okay. it. I mean, she's, they're doing well. The polls say she's ahead. Um, her messaging is getting out there. We saw in PMQs, we were talking about earlier. So I'm going to go with her. Okay. Yeah, the same as Ned. However, Labour have done quite a big policy blitz. Mm. So um, also, 
I'm slightly concerned that we've now got two kind of borderline euphemisms in our uh, in our election section. Yeah, because morning glory. Yeah. I just realised as I said, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it's changing, hasn't it? Yeah. That's okay. We'll change that for next it's, week. It's got. It's got to be Theresa, maybe or whatever. Definitely, maybe. Definitely, maybe because. And at least, I think, in one area, Labour tried and failed to get its Brexit message across this week. Don't forget, Keir Starmer did his big Brexit I speech. I about him. I know. Easy, you see, the very fact that you forgot Easy. about it says yeah. If you forgot about it, what did the public make of it? It came know. across... I was at the speech, and it started off quite well. Jenny Chapman said, you know... the we don't believe Brexit voters are racist or stupid. And good she, start. She was very, she was very good. And he, start, here, yeah. he, he started off quite well as well. But unfortunately, the, the, the message they end up with was basically one a sort of softer version of Brexit, but that actually it's going to be about the tone of voice we use with Europe, but we're not going to be strident. So it's all about it's, tone rather than It's substance. a bit like the John McDonald's putting moral pressure on the government over Brexit, isn't it? It's exactly the same. John McDonald's putting moral pressure on someone. <laughs> That's what he said. Wow. Absolutely true. No, but the thing about Starmer was, I remember on, on Tuesday, Jenny Chapman said when she was introducing Keir Starmer, he's got a brain the size of China. And, and, and people were looking around like this. And, and unfortunately, some people think he's got the political nous the size of Andorra. And that, I read and that in your water. I know. <laughs> yeah. and I have to say. Are you reusing material from yeah. your <laughs> Recycle, or... reuse. Yeah. Um, but it's true that, to be fair to him, one thing he did do was shift Labour onto the idea of making sure that get across the voters, we're not going to keep migration as it is after Brexit. Now, I understand that was quite a difficult task behind the scenes, making sure that line actually finally appeared in his speech. Because don't forget, Jeremy Corbyn in January said that we're not wedded to freedom of movement, but nor do we rule it oh, out. Oh, well, I remember I that. He said yeah. when he said that, <laughs> that was nonsense. Nor do we rule it out. Now, finally, you've got a Labour leader saying, a le- Labour leader and a Brexit, shadow Brexit secretary saying, actually, migration is going to change. Okay, well, while many Tory veterans and unhappy Labour MPs are stepping down at the election, there is, of course, the usual clamour from ambitious politicos to get their bums onto the green leather Commons benches, including some familiar names coming back. Kate, who are we going to be? Who's going to be welcoming back with open arms? Well, looks like we're getting Esther McVeigh back Woo. in Tatton. Great, nice, nice little. Uh, massive majority there for yeah. her to uh, to capitalise on. Um, it's interesting. Um, Obviously, it's going to be a very different campaign for her than Wirral West. And we still don't know who uh, the Tories are going to put in Wirral West. Um, so that should be interesting. Esther McVeigh was not popular on Merseyside um, during her tenure. As a scouser? Yes. Well, she made quite, there was quite a bad gaffe um, during, I think it was 2014, during the Hillsborough Memorial Service when she sent out a party political tweet about how you couldn't trust Wirral Labour. Um, and it was as the memorial service was going on. Does anyone oh, remember dear. that? I don't remember Nick, that. Nikki Campbell tweeted her at the time right. saying, are you not watching the service? Oh, dear. And dear. all the other Merseyside MPs were there. So oh, it was really, yeah. It oh, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was pretty Good local bad. knowledge. Good yeah. move for her to go to Tatton then. So it's a good move for her to, uh, to go to Cheshire, yeah, definitely. Um, also, a surprise um, replacement, potential replacement for Alan Johnson. Yes. I think we expected Sam Tarry. We did. But we're getting Emma Hardy. And who is who is Sam Tarry? Why is why is that a surprise? Sam Tarry is a senior figure in Momentum, um, and obviously those who've read um, Paul's piece this week about um, the sort of division of um, the division of safe seats between the unions and um, and sort of leaders' office and Labour HQ. Um, I think everybody widely expected that Sam Tarry, who we could call a leaders' office pick. 
um, would be the person who goes into Hull West. Um, but it turns out we're now having Emma Hardy as a local councillor, I believe. Yes, indeed, she is a local councillor. Um, and that was that was an interesting change from this deal, the carve up of all these seats. Because let's be honest, there's not many safe Labour seats left if you look at the polls. So what what's happening is that people in the leader's office, people in the trade unions, who in the trade unions don't forget, supply most of the money to the Labour Party these days. There's not individual donors or businesses giving them money. So they've got clout in picking MPs effectively. So even before the general election, even before a single vote has been cast in these safe seats, MPs are being elected privately, quietly in these Labour meetings in by sort of secret shady panels. And they're not shady, obviously, but they're, they're not, not many, secret thanks not, to your articles. Not, not many people know about them. <laughs> but, you know, the key thing is that every leader of the Labour Party wants to get their own people from the leader's office to get safe seats. Tony Blair did it, Gordon Brown did it, M Ed Miliband certainly did it. And of course, it's no different for Jeremy Corbyn wanting to do that. But what's different here is that he and the unions have tried to have a deal, but in, term, in Sam Tarry's case, it looks like that deal's fallen apart. Now, it seems this is all down to the minutiae of who's on a three-man or three-person selection panel. And it's going to happen tonight with Katie Clark, who's in who's Jeremy Corbyn's political secretary. She's a really former left-wing Labour MP. She wants to come back to Parliament, and in, she's going for Andy Burnham's seat in Lee. And I've been told that the panel, the makeup of the panel, who's on it, Keith Vaz, I understand, is chairing it. It's going to be... It might be difficult for Katie Clark, put it that way. And again, we might see another row behind the scenes. But as I say, the interesting thing here is not a single vote has been cast, and yet these MPs are effectively being elected. Well, you say mm. that. I mean, I heard this argument as well, you know, these MPs are being elected. But of course they're not. There's still this democracy going to happen, you know. People are still going to go to the polls. So. Yeah, but if, if you are a Labour candidate in Lee, or you're a Labour candidate in Lewisham West, or in Hull West... You know, you're going to win. You're Let's right. be practical about well, it. Well, I don't know, man. UKIP could cause a few surprises. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they won't. <laughs> and also, we've got a familiar face coming back, potentially, in West London. In West London. A certain yes. Mr. Uh, Mr. Coldsmith. Yes, we Suddenly have. Suddenly he's totally okay with the runway. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all fine now, apparently. Um, yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um, I was thinking about this last night. Do we think that he's going to make a return? I'm not sure. Well, he does have this time. He has maybe more of the Tory party machine. I he mean, does. last time, he, I mean, because last time he was obviously notionally an independent, so he does have that advantage, perhaps, of more, more formal help. That's completely true because the data. Don't forget, data wins mm, elections exactly. often these days, and and he he wasn't allowed to use the database mm. that he that the Tory party had built up. So that's that's going to make a difference. Although I have to say, I mean, I live in the seat, declaring interest, and I think that he's wearing his back tack T-shirt. <laughs> And, and I think that although he'll get a lot more people out on the street than he did when he was, you know, when he was running as an independent, it's going to be difficult because you've just what's the rationale for an average voter in, in the seat? Mm. Why would I suddenly decide Zach Goldsmith's OK if I thought it was yeah. the anti the Brexit Antichrist and one thing just a few months ago? And one thing the Lib Dems are hoping as well, I was speaking to Sarah Olney, who's the Lib Dem MP who took the seat from Goldsmith at the by-election, that she made the point that now what the Brexit plan is from the government is even more clearer mm. than the by-election. They'll be running on now, you know, it's a hard Brexit. So those Remain voters that voted Lib, Lib Dem because of Brexit, now there's the Lib Dems have this other argument. You, it's not even like a soft. They can say, now you see exactly what she's doing. It's even more of a reason to keep me in. in and the there's house. an incentive to give him his third bloody nose on the trot as well, don't forget. Yeah. He lost the mailty, he lost the by-election, he could lose again. I was going to say, what, what confidence will people in Richmond have in his sort of position now? Because if, you know, obviously the Heathrow issue mm -hmm. was such that he resigned from the party and... It's official party policy to have exactly. Heathrow. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, right. But there's also um, electrolysis springing up mm. all over the place. Mm. And by all over the place. <laughs> all over Brighton. I mean Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Brighton. Ned. So what's yeah, going on? So, so good old uh, Leafy Brighton declaring interest. That's actually where I'm from. Yeah. So um, the Lib Dems in Pavilion are standing down to give Caroline Lucas a better chance of clinging onto the seat. Which Get those I, I, 500 votes. Yeah, the Dems and got it's a little bit over the top because the Lib Dems don't do that well in Pavilion. I think yeah. people think because Brighton's a lefty city, they do well. They don't. I think they came fifth in Pavilion. Brighton's quite a it's quite a Tory Labour. Um, city apart from Pavilion, so I think I expect Caroline Lucas will keep that seat. And the neighbouring seat to the east, which is Kemp Town, the Lib Dems, no, the Greens have stood down to give the Tory majority there. Simon Kirby's got like a 690 majority, so they're trying to take him out there. And there's also discussion to the Greens to the east, no, the west, done the east, the west, which is Brighton and Hove, a Hove seat. The Greens are open to stop it stepping down there, which is Peter Kyle's seat. And he's got about a 2,000 majority over the Tories. But, but so. we're going to see these... I mean, we, okay, so down in Brighton, there's a couple of bit of horse trading there. And there's a couple of other oh, seats as well. But is there well. going to be anywhere else in, across the country? Or are we going to see... I'm not it? sure. I think, like, there's quite a few... There's a few seats in Sussex as well that the kind of left could take, if you look at the numbers. I mean, I think in Eastbourne and in Lewis, the green vote is more than the majority um, the Tory has in those two seats. But that does kind of rely on the idea that the Tory vote stays the same and all the left-wing voters. So I think it could be quite hard And for in them. Ealing and Acton, the Greens mm. pulled out to help Labour's mm. Rupert Hook, don't forget, because yeah. she says she's a green-tinged Labour MP. Mm. And let's see whether that really makes a difference mm. elsewhere. It's time for uh, this week's quiz. Yay, uh, who God. the hell are you? Is that oh. the nice... That's not a very nice thing to say. So to I'm going to... Because now we've got people coming back, right, like um, Estimate Bay. She comes back, she represented two different constituencies. So I went back and looked at other MPs who represented more than one constituency. Ooh. And I'm going to read out the name. I'm going to read them Quite out a few. in order. And you've got to tell me who this person is. Ah, uh, right, okay. They're, so they're two seats. We need, we, need like a, we need like a buzzer. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four. Okay, they're representing good, good, the good. So see if you can guess. I'll, I'll read the name of the seats in order. Okay, is this clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Clear. yeah, yeah. Good. Clear. Right, good. I'm, I'm, okay, right. Getting ready. Southwark Central. Go on. Birmingham, Stetchford, Glasgow, Hillhead. Oh, uh, that's. Is that Roy Jenkins? That is Roy Jenkins. Well done. Straight up. Roy Jenkins is in every quiz you do. I love, you Roy, love Roy Jenkins. Jenkins. <laughs> I read a really good book on him. Uh, okay, ready? Hitchin, Hartford and Stevenage, Crosby. Oh, oh that is. <laughs> Paul is going to know all of these. Yeah. Is that none. another SDP? Is that yeah. is that Shirley Williams? Yeah, I read a bit about the SDP. See, the very fact that she was a Labour MP in Hitchin and Hart says yeah. everything, doesn't mad. it? Um, Glasgow, Hillhead, Bethnal Green and Bow. Easy. Oh, Galloway. Yeah, Bradford West. That's an easy one for Ned, Does is it? it? You like... get extra points for inter- intervening early. Sure, should, whatever. Yeah. I'll not keep it. Yeah, that means we're, we're equal now. I don't really care. That has uh, Oldham, Manchester North West. Dundee, Epping, Churchill. Yes, Churchill. Okay, I'm not ah. I think Kate's yeah. mic's gone off because I can't hear <laughs> it. It was Oldham that gave let's it away. Do, let's do the last one. Um, Berwick and East Lothian, Edinburgh South, and Devizes. 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 Um, Michael Ankrum. Michael Ankrum's right. Wow. <laughs> 100%. was the last time Michael Ankrum got I'm mentioned impressed. anywhere? Crikey. He that ran for ridiculous. Tory leader, don't forget he did. one. He did, he did. I remember so that there well. We are. All right, so that was this week's quiz. Well done, Owen. Thanks very much. Thanks for everyone. Yeah. Well done, team. Yeah. You are listening to Commons People. 
Uh, one of the big issues in this election campaign should be the UK's housing crisis. I caught up with Labour's Shadow Housing Secretary John Healy earlier this week to discuss his party's plans. Here he is telling me that there needs to be more cross-party working. You're right about the crisis. People see there's a crisis. Two-thirds of people now think we have a housing crisis in this country and that's rapidly rising and uh, it's a higher public concern than it's been for 40 years, housing now. And so we'll see in this election campaign housing playing a bigger part uh, and being, a, I think, a bigger focus of political debate and policy propositions than perhaps it's been for 40 or 50 years in a general election campaign. So is Labour going to put it front and centre of their manifesto there? Is it going to be one of the one of the top things which is going to be making in its pitch to the people? Yes. So Labour have gone big on housing today. It, whenever there's surveys done of the top issues uh, that people care about, it always comes to sort of top four or five, and yet it never really feels to be the centre of any kind of campaign. And is this time going to be any different? Do we think the housing is going to be front and centre or is it just not going to get a look in as normal? Labour are going to try, obviously, and push it really hard. I mean, your interview today was pushed very hard, I noticed, on social channels by Labour. Mm. Everyone from Diane Abbott to Ken Livingston to the party to Corbyn himself were all linking on Twitter to your piece, your interview with John Healy, saying what Labour's... Labour, and it wasn't just you. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, obviously, the thing about housing is it's a dry subject. It's really hard to get people excited about. Everyone complains about the fact that their kids can't get the housing ladder Mm. or they, you know, rents are really hard, uh, high. Um, But it's very difficult to communicate in a a voter-friendly way what you're going to do about it. Because let's be honest, it will need consensus over time, really. All the parties are going to have to agree some kind of problem, and it's a very complex problem. And there's also the the classic thing that most people who who rent are going to be younger people, and so getting young people to vote is harder because young people don't tend to vote as much. They're not going to focus much, perhaps, on an issue that, you know, you have less votes in it. Kate, can I be terribly patronising and say... Am I obsessed with housing because I come from the southeast? Whereas if someone like yourself becomes is the feeling up north, the housing isn't as big an issue. I was just gonna say this. I think it's much easier to get people on board with the kind of narrative in London. Because if you live in London, you can't afford to live anywhere and it's a disaster, basically. Um in the north, yes, it is less so. And I know many more people in the north who've been able to get on the housing ladder and been able to, you know, reasonably easily get a house um who definitely wouldn't down here so but i think it's still i think it still very much is an issue i think it's much harder for everybody generally to get on the property ladder um and also i think the answers to the answers to the problem are different in different areas um so i guess it's quite hard to make a cohesive argument like in london i think that we are going to have to build on the green belt it, well, that is going to have to happen. Not but according nobody, to Labour, the Tories, they both fall out green belt. Because they? nobody wants to say it, exactly they do right. they? Exactly right. But I, th- I think you're, you're totally right. And when you look, I looked into this week, God, there's so much to learn about housing. God, there's a lot. It was really tough. <laughs> and you haven't God. got a brain the size and of China. I really haven't got a brain the size of China. Um, how about, well, how big is Owen's brain? We could do that in a quiz, <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wales, Liechtenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, I can't what I was going to say now. But that's really <laughs> See, that's proving my brain is tiny. The point I was trying to make is that um, it needs something really radical to be done. It needs something really, really radical. Does it need central diktats to go to communities? Because I know, as a from a local hack, you go on to planning meetings. People say, we need houses in my village to, for my son to live in. Okay, we'll build them there. Oh, we can't here. build them yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So does it need someone to come in? Does it need to say, right, no more Greenbelt? It needs something radical. And I don't feel like either party's doing Or it. rent controls. No. Will rent anyone controls? really commit to proper rent controls? Exactly. Rent well, caps. Well, they sort of halfed. Yeah, they have halfed on yeah. yeah, which is, yeah, a bit annoying. But anyway, um, we don't know if housing is going to play a role, but because we are like super HuffPost 
care about what people care about. Yes. Paul is now going to tell us a very exciting new thing. Well, housing is, is one of those issues that risks getting neglected in the election. But here at HuffPost, what we're going to do in this election, hopefully, is try and address the issues and not just the personalities and not just who's up, who's down in the polls. Uh, and we've got a new branded section across all of the uh, the website, which is called Beyond Brexit. So we're going to start um, certainly tonight and next week with this. And basically, it's an attempt to say, look, this election isn't just about Brexit, despite what Theresa May might want to say. There's lots of other issues, whether it's mental health, whether it's social care, whether it's school cuts, whether it's housing, that people want to fix in this country. But equally, a lot of people, although there are some Remainers who disagree with this, but most people accept Brexit's going to happen and they want to see beyond Brexit what Brexit will look like after 2019. So we're trying to put those two issues together and you'll see it across the site quite a lot. So watch out for it. Basically, don't worry, guys. It's not going to be all about Brexit. However, sign up for my Brexit briefing <laughs> if you want to know about Brexit. Obviously. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, guys. Much appreciated. We didn't do it in case you missed it this week because we we ran out of time. Do we miss anything, Ned? In case you no. missed it, we didn't do it. We didn't miss anything. We, miss anything we covered everything. Everything. We've done everything. We've done everything. Yeah. Good. And was, that, was that right for your first time, Kate? That was absolutely amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't believe No innuendo with that. No, long. right. Okay. Enough. <laughs> right. I'm going to leave that there. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.